Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. In summer of 2021, our family took a three-day trip to County Mayo. Often, holidays are a great time of self-reflection. And it was during that time that I discovered the Money Flamingo blog and the concept of Flamingo Fire. I've already covered off how Flamingo Fire works in an episode recorded earlier this year. If you do want to go and check that out, it's titled The Three Phases of FI. We have a little bit of a treat installed today. I was able to get the author of the Money Flamingo blog onto the show. Her name is Tina. Tina's originally from Europe, but she now lives in Sydney in Australia. She gives a heap of knowledge about her own story and shares how she discovered the concept of Flamingo Fire and why it's so applicable to so many of us and a great option for anybody pursuing financial independence. Let's jump over to the interview, but before we do, if you guys do have any questions and you want to drop me any feedback on this episode, you can always drop me a line at michael at firepodcast.ie. Let's jump over to the interview. Tina, it is absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. I have been an admirer of your blog for about the last six months, and some of the angles that you come with financial independence, particularly with the semi-retirement aspect, I think are wonderful. Would you mind making a quick introduction and let us know what a day in your life is typically like? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, thanks, Michael, for the kind words. Um, excited to be on the show. Yeah, my name is uh, Tina, uh, aka Mrs. Flamingo from the Money Flamingo blog. Um, I'm in my late 30s and I live in Sydney with my husband and my two kids. We refer to ourselves as semi-retirees because we gave up full-time work about a year and a half ago um, and have achieved um, our financial independence goals. We're not financially independent, but very close. Yeah, and we've uh, enjoyed um, a calmer, slower life since then. Um, and people always ask me what a normal day in my life looks like. And I have to say I'm a mum uh, to two young kids. So <laughs> you can probably imagine you have kids yourself, what my life looks like. Um, it's definitely not the semi-retired life that everybody pictures where you sleep in, um, do an hour of yoga, then have a long brunch with your husband overlooking the ocean um, and then read a book for two hours. It's definitely not like that. Um, we have young kids, so I'm a mum first at the moment, but it gives us the opportunity to do a lot of fun things with our kids, um, spend a lot of time with them without rushing around, um, having to work every day. So that's been really nice. Um, I also have busy days because I still work. I work three days a week at the moment in a job that I really enjoy. So it's a bit of a mix. Every day looks a little bit different, um, but we're pretty happy with the work-life balance we've achieved. Yeah, brilliant. And I think I often heard the term having the time to smell the roses. And I think sometimes being able to take a little bit more of a laid back lifestyle definitely allows for that. Um, and I guess obviously, I mean, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning as well, Tina, is you must have a great sense of financial security as well. You know, waking up each day knowing that a lot of your kind of future is, is going to be in a great place. Is that fair to say? Yes, 100%. Um, I guess that really adds to the 
feeling of wellness that we have in our everyday life. Like I said, we are not at financial independence, but we're actually really close. I think um, we're probably 80% of the way there and we stopped working full time when we were 50% of the way there. But it is safe to say that at some point in the future, probably in the near future, um, we'll be completely set up um, and we really don't have to worry about our old age, our traditional retirement. And we'll probably be very comfortable even in our late 40s or 50s. So money is really not a big topic in our house anymore. And that's exactly what I wanted to achieve. Um, we're not rich, but we definitely have everything we need. We know that our future is secure. We know that our kids' future is secure. And that's all that counts. So, And that's why this stage of life is so enjoyable for us, because we can really enjoy our kids. We can work a little bit, just enjoy life, and we don't have to worry about money, um, which we feel very fortunate about. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that. You really explained that explained that nicely, and, and you've, you've certainly sold me on the dream. So... Fair play. Um, let's let's go back a little bit. I mean, obviously, you know, this has obviously taken a few years at least to to get to this stage. Do you mind going back as far back as you like to to your life previously to, to discovering fire, and then I guess tell the story of discovering fire and then how you kind of came up with this concept of flamingo fire, which I think is such an amazing concept. So yeah, I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, sure. Um, so I have to say, I grew up knowing nothing about money. Um, I was completely clueless. Um, I don't come from a family of investors. Um, yeah, money was, we, we always had enough money, but I never really thought that I would be someone who would amass a lot of money. Um, and I had no idea about financial independence at all um, until I was 27 years old. Uh, I spent most of my 20s traveling. Um, I finished two degrees. Um, and then eventually I had to start my first job, which I had sort of always <laughs> avoided a little bit. Um, yeah, I had my first real job, as they like to call it. And yeah, it was really like a horrible experience because um, the reality of the nine to five really hit me. And it was not just one day, it was five days a week. And then every week, basically, if you're not on holiday. So um, I got really depressed, I guess, um, you could almost say. Um, just looking out the window, I have these memories, like just looking out the window, it's the most beautiful day and I have to sit there at the computer um, and just feeling like I can't control my own time. That was the big one for me. And that hit home really soon after starting that first job. And it wasn't even a necessarily like bad job. It was just an entry-level role um, in a normal company. There was nothing wrong with it. But yeah, I just felt like that's not what I want to do, um, especially not for the next 40 years. So I would say a month or two after I started that first job, which coincidentally is actually exactly 10 years ago um, this month, um, I started looking for a way out really um, and not knowing anything about financial independence or investing. I just Googled simple things like I don't want to work anymore. Um, how can I not go to the office? That kind of thing. And um, after a while, I came across um, J.L. Collins' blog, um, his FU Money post in particular, which just talks about having enough money to basically um, tell someone to F off. So um, I really, really loved that post and, and I read his entire blog and that eventually led me to Mr. Money Mustache, um, who had only really started his blog maybe a year prior. So there were not that many posts on there, but the stuff I read 
yeah, it just blew me away. And uh, yeah, I spent my days and my evenings just reading these financial independence blogs. And to be fair, there weren't many there at that point, um, especially you no know, Australian ones, no European ones. It was all very US centric um, content. And um, yeah, that's um, how I got started with FIRE. But then reality hit me. I was uh, in an entry-level job. I think I earned something like 1,500 euros after tax. So that was 10 years ago. It was really not a lot of money. And I just knew I would never be able to save 50% of that. Um, And even if I did save 50% of that, it would probably take me 17 years, I think that's what the calculator said back then, to get to financial independence. And if you tell a 27-year-old, you'll be 44 when you hit fire, and until then you have to save half of your income and live on rice and beans. Um, That's pretty demotivating. So I absorbed all of this information, but because everything was so US-centric, I sort of thought, yeah, this is just not possible anywhere else in the world. And I sort of gave up on that pretty quickly. Um, I continued reading blogs and reading books, fortunately, um, and amassed all of this personal finance knowledge, which turned out to be really useful later on. But at that point, I basically just sucked it up, um, got a bit more comfortable with my job um, and did what everybody does. Um, Went to work, then went out to dinner, went out for drinks, just tried to have a good time on the weekends and after work to make it all a bit more bearable. Um, But then pretty quickly came up with a plan to do this job for two or three years um, to have some experience on my CV and then leave. And that's what I did. Um, After about two and a half years, I quit that job and thought, oh, I'll become a freelancer because that will give me a bit more time freedom or the ability to control my time, which I knew was important to me. Um, So I did that and became a freelancer in the field that I studied at uni um, and thought, oh, that, that will fix it. Um, but it didn't because it turns out if you're a freelancer in a field that you're not 100% passionate about, it's really just a job without having a job because you still have to make money. You still have to work on projects. You still have a boss in a way. It's just called a customer. Um, yeah, and that <laughs> really didn't work for me. And you have to be self-motivated. You're working on your own. You don't actually have to get out of bed in the morning. Um, so yeah, I got pretty... Um, sad, I guess. And uh, one of the roles I took on as a freelancer was absolutely horrible <laughs> thinking back. Um, it's for, um, it was for a bit, uh, big internet company. Um, and it was, the job was fine, but the way they tracked their freelancers was you have to sit in front of the computer and they tracked your keystrokes. And they also took a photo of you once a minute um, in irregular intervals to check if you're actually there and you didn't get paid for any of the minutes that you went out in front of the computer. And you can just imagine that's just horrible for, for anyone. Um, it was a horrible environment. Um, yeah, and I actually started uh, drinking during the day uh, when I had that uh, freelance job um, and started gambling. Um, it was not pretty. Um, I went downhill pretty quickly. It was a bit of a slippery slope. It was not good um, so I realized that that can't be it either. So unfortunately, I realized what was happening to me. Um, my husband saw it as well. So we decided to make a big change um, and packed up uh, our stuff, packed our bags and moved to Australia. Um, that was in 2015. Yeah. And that really was the big change that 
um, helped us get on the right track. Um, it was such a big change and we just arrived with two suitcases, which gave us the opportunity to really design a new life from scratch, um, exactly how we wanted it. And all of that financial independence information I had absorbed over the years really helped me shape that life. Um, we got an affordable apartment in a nice location, um, found really good jobs. And yeah, basically just started over and my whole mindset shifted. Um, and suddenly, because we earn a bit more at that stage, we were able to save a significant um, amount of money every month and then just basically got on the fire treadmill, um, earning, um, saving, um, yeah, and basically accumulating our nest egg. But in that process, it turned out that I didn't actually mind working. I actually really enjoyed my job. The, I liked the people I worked with and just I didn't actually mind the getting up in the morning, going to work because we had, had a pretty good work-life balance back then. Um, so I thought, okay, uh, why are we saving so much money if I don't actually want to stop working? Um, because at that point I had realized that working and work-life balance is actually a lot better than doing nothing. Um, so I thought, okay, um, maybe we can find a shortcut somehow. Um, and that's when I came up with this concept of what we call Flamingo Fi. That was in 2016. Um, yeah, because I basically thought, ah, oh, if I had read so much about compound interest over the years and I thought, okay, um, if the magic of compound interest makes your money double every 10 or 15 years or so, why don't we just use that to our advantage? Why don't we just save half of the fire nest egg and then let it compound um, on its own? Um, yeah, it seemed like a crazy plan at the time, but I mean, it's all worked out for us. Um, that's exactly what we did. We named it Flamingo Fi because uh, I wanted a catchy name. And um, yeah, it's basically like a flamingo um, fire standing on one leg. Um, so we basically saved for about five years um, um, until we had accumulated our Flamingo Fi nest egg. Um, and then we semi-retired, which worked out really well because um, that was just before our second child was born. So that uh, transition was very natural and uh, a really good good point uh, to semi-retire, I guess. Yeah, and um, it's worked really well. We, we haven't looked back since and our investments have surprisingly done really well over the last year and a half. Obviously, the markets have performed really well. So we are actually extremely close to our actual full fire number now. Yeah. And that's basically my fire backstory. Well, Tina, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I appreciate your honesty as well, you know, to how you've kind of constructed this new life. Uh, look, obviously I'm an immigrant myself. You went one way, I went the other, so to speak. I moved, moved to Europe, you moved away from Europe. The principle was the same, that, and, and you're bang on in the way that you can kind of start a new and design a new life when you do move countries. You know, it is, it is quite refreshing, but it sounds to me like you, you left a whole lot of bad habits behind and you sort of came to this, I guess, to this sunny country where you were able to, I guess, design your life and, and bring all the good things and all the good habits you, that you had accumulated over the years. I, ha I have a long history of freelancing myself and I have worked on a project with that uh, time tracking slash screenshot taking software and you're dead right. It's a, an extremely miserable way 
to work where basically you never know when the next screenshot's going to take so it's uh yeah it's it's hard work all right um so yeah fair play for moving away from that but also recognizing that you know sometimes we we often think oh should we go and freelance but it's exactly right it's not always as simple as you know being being a, this this ability where you can set your own time you've got to worry about billables and so on which is always always something which isn't always thought about um but it sounds to me very much so that you'd found yourself in the rat race early on and you would probably try to move away from the rat race and then you just decided to kind of adopt this you only live once strategy and you were you know living and working for the weekends and you know going out for dinners probably taking nice holidays but still feeling that having that feeling of you know you, you weren't getting ahead and, and my story was extremely relatable I, I remember saying to to a friend back in 2017 I don't even look at the bank statement anymore because I just don't want to know about it. You know, it's, it's, I've got no control over it and it's a horrible feeling to have when you, when you don't have control over something, you know, something as, as simple as money. And, um, you know, J.L. Collins, obviously he's a lot older than us. He's, he's, he's a generation older, maybe even two, but he does speak with a lot of wisdom. And I think a lot of people would say, ah, oh, yeah, he's not relevant anymore, you know. But I often think, you know, he lived through 1987, Black Monday. He lived through the financial crisis. He's lived through so many things. He's lived through Cold Wars. You know, he's lived through Vietnam, all, all sorts of, of scary times. And even though 2022 is definitely a scary year in terms of what's happening in the world, we do need to take stock sometimes in, in older generations to realize that, you know, they are, they are parting, parting wisdom on us, um, which is, you know, again, he's, he's a great person to follow. Um, I guess you know if we t if we take a step back for a second I think the key one of the key things that you identified and it's something which even myself you know when when I first started out on the fire journey like you it was this kind of my motivation was this hate of having to get up to work and the more that I've saved and the more more that I've kind of worked through over the years and I'm now into my 50 year of of investing and saving myself is I started to realize exactly what you realized far sooner on than I have which is, well, hang on, maybe work-life balance is really the key to this thing. Um, and I've certainly found myself enjoying work more as I go through. But I guess as part of the FIRE process, you actually do go and find better jobs, don't you? Like, you know, you, you mentioned that you started as an entry-level job, but then you find, I mean, I, I guess as your career progresses as well, you know, you can keep chasing the money if you want to, but you can also start to chase better opportunities, you know, opportunities that give you more of a work-life balance as well. Um, so it's, it sounds to me that you've kind of hit that. And I guess if we jump over to Flamingo Fire, because I think one of the biggest criticisms with Flamingo Fire, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, and I know you've got an answer for it anyway, is that they say, well, what happens if you don't get that magic? You know, you're expecting 7% after inflation. You know, take 2022, we now live in a world of, you know, Europe's expecting 8% inflation this year. So that would imply that we need 15% return to keep up with, uh, you know, 8% plus 7% to keep up with, with the plan. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, do you, do you have a, I mean, I'm sure you do, yeah, how do you deal with that? You know, what's going to happen if we if we have a lost decade and we don't really get any market returns for the next ten years? You know, how's your take on that in, in regards to dealing with that? Yeah, uh, people get so hung up on that seven percent. I don't know how many angry messages and comments I get about that. Um, but yeah, to be honest, if we have a lost decade, it's not going to be a lost decade for me because I have a great life, a great life balance, and I will never look back and think, oh no, I spent Tuesdays and Thursdays with my kids. 
and I should have been at work. Nobody ever says that. So, um, yeah, if we get lower returns, then we get lower returns. To be honest, like the way we worked it out is if we get 7%, we can fully retire by 50. At this stage, it actually looks like it's going to be in three or four years from now. But if I have to keep working the way I do at the moment until I'm 60, then I'll be happy to. To be honest, um, I'm so happy with my life right now that I will probably not change a thing once we hit that magic number. And we have, um, for those who are obsessed about the numbers, we have actually, we have actually assumed a 3% return and we will still be okay at the traditional retirement age. And I think it is extremely unlikely that over the next 25 years, we won't see a 3% return. Um, and the good thing is we're still in the workforce. If I get closer to that age and see that uh, the market hasn't performed, then nobody's keeping me from just picking up an extra day of work to make up the difference. So I'm really not concerned. I think people who are so hung up on those numbers have not really understood what FIRE is really about, which is what you mentioned, the work-life balance, um, this financial security, the ability to live your best life. And nobody can take that away from me. Um, a last decade can't take that away from me either. Yeah, brilliant, Tina. I did ask that question somewhat in jest, by the way, and I'm so delighted with your answer because it's exactly what, what my thoughts are as well. You know, we have no control whatsoever over what the market will return. All we can control is how much we put into the market and how we live our life in the meantime, right? So, um, yeah, there's a huge amount, and it's, it's probably underestimated, but there is a huge amount of luck involved in FIRE in regards to timing of the market. And we've seen a lot of US bloggers retire recently because they may have started, say, in 2013 and they've had this massive bull run. Whereas, you know, not everybody's going to be the same. You know, there's potentially a re recession on the cards and so on. So where you start your fire journey does make it is going to make a difference. However, as you said, if you actually construct and design your perfect life and then let fire move around that, then it really doesn't matter what the market does, right? Because, you know, nobody can ever, exactly as you said, nobody can ever take that away from you. And I certainly worked part-time myself back in 2019. I had my third and final child, and I realized that this was my one opportunity to make sure that I spent time with him. And it's certainly time that, looking back, I definitely do not regret. So uh, I'm 100% on board with, with exactly what you were saying there. Yeah, um, <laughs> you said it. You said it perfectly. Um, yeah, I think we're very much on the same page here. Um, I mean, whoever regrets spending time with their kids or spending time on the things they love, um, no one, and nobody can control the future. You can also get fifteen percent market returns, and then you get hit by a bus the next day. So, what good is that going to do? Um, yeah, I'm, I've made the radical choice to prioritize my happiness and the experiences I have with my family um, over the financial return. Um, and I think it's just going to be fine. Um, if we get there at 50, great. If we get there at 45, great. If we get there at 60, that's also fine. So, um, yeah, I think we're very much on the same page. Um, yeah, life quality over financial success any day for me. I found myself back in 2019 when I did cut down to part-time work and even myself recently for the last few months I've been working far too hard and I've realized that which identifying that is important. So I've slowly started to cut back and, and I am trying to, to adopt a, a slower lifestyle exactly as you have done so successfully. Did you find the transition, you know, because society kind of has this, this expectation on everybody 
to you know be working five days a week to be maximizing your output I remember one particular friend of mine when I announced that I was working part-time and I told them they said something like oh well, that's you know you're letting society down you're, you're not you're not working to your maximum capacity um, was yeah in, in many ways the nine to five five days a week thing has been ingrained in us since we were going to school did you find that that was difficult to make that decision ultimately or, or was it something that you were able to overcome through through your own mindset about it well um, there's a few factors here. So first of all, for me, it was really easy because I basically semi-retired when I had my second child. So um, that's obviously the perfect moment because nobody is going to doubt your motives or ask you why you're taking time off, why you're working part-time. So I guess um, for parents, um, young parents, um, that's a good strategy. It was completely unintentional, but it worked out that way. But I can see now um, that my kids are um, a little bit older or past that traditional like maternity leave stage, um, that there are some raised eyebrows. But yeah, I've, I really could not care less, to be honest. Um, I think through COVID, uh, most of us have proven that there is so much idle time in a 40-hour week in the office and that we can probably all get our work done in 25 hours, if we're completely honest. Um, and I think that's what people have done throughout the pandemic when they were just at home doing their work and then, you know, uh, working out in their lunch break. Um, so, no, I don't think that you have to work 40 hours a week to be productive or be a productive member of society. Quite the opposite. Um, we are now looking at um, options um, for our semi-retirement, things we actually want to work on. And um, you'll find that naturally a lot of people who don't have to chase the money anymore will choose jobs or fields of work that do something for society, that benefits society. I don't see how being a banker um, working 60 hours a week uh, to make millions um, does any good for society. But then maybe if you're in disability support working two days a week, um, I think that is definitely something that benefits society more. So we could argue about that, but I definitely don't think that just because you work full time, you're doing anything for society. Yeah, sure, there's the taxes. But at the same time, I'm not going to need any government handouts when I'm retired. I think uh, you can have long discussions about that, um, but I think anybody who questions that um, hasn't dug deep enough. Yeah, yeah, and look, even in my own case, the same the same person that said to me, "What are you contributing to society by working part time?" I ended up setting up a hockey club during that time where I worked part time, and their children now play at that hockey club. So, so I think that I gave them far more in terms of community contribution by working part time and doing some volunteering work than I ever would have by paying the extra taxes. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely an argument there and, and you're definitely right in, in regards to, to your angle. And I think, it, look, it's, it's just great to hear your take on it because, you know, so, sometimes I feel myself being a little bit of a lone wolf on the on the topic, but the fact that you've also embraced it, I think, is, is really great. You're, you're complementing, you know, complementing my vision quite nicely. Yeah, look, I would love to finish off by just talking about the blog um, Tina, you're a gifted writer, uh, and look, as as somebody that writes as well, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I I don't blog half as well as how you do. I know how much time these things take, and I can appreciate just how much time and effort you put in to some of the articles. So, um, yeah, for the listeners, we'll, I'll definitely share in the in the show notes a link to your blog because I really do think some of the stuff that you've that you've kind of covered is 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 so well thought. Um, should we talk a little? about Coast Fire, because I know that Coast Fire, you know, Flamingo Fire ultimately um, 
is is a I, I guess a new version of Coast Fire, if you like, or, or an adept, uh, you know, a, a, a maybe maybe Coast Fire 2.0. And look, for me, Coast Fire is great. I think one of the problems with Coast Coast Fire, and I don't fully understand why it was ever designed like this, is it seems to be based around your traditional retirement age. And I think that you've kind of managed to, I guess, revolutionize Coast Fire in terms of what you've done with Flamingo Fire. But ultimately, you know, Coast Fire is at the core. Um, so, you know, obviously Coast Fire was, was where things started with you. Um, would you have any further sort of input on it and uh, uh, you know, what your thoughts are in, in relation to Coast Fire? Yeah, sure. Um, to be honest, when we came up with our approach, I had never heard of the term Coast Fire. I think it became, Coast Fire started becoming popular uh, maybe in the last two or three years, I'd say. But I had honestly never heard of it. Um, so, I mean, our approach was a lot more simplistic. I was basically just saying, um, OK, I'll save half my nest egg and let it double. Um, I never thought about saving 30% and then waiting this many years for it to uh, reach 100%, um, which Coast Fire at the end of the day is. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, so at the end of the day, Flamingo Fire is basically um, a Coast Fire variation. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess um, I really like Coast Fire because it's a good milestone to achieve early on in life. I think it's definitely something I will teach my kids about because you can, if you start saving at a young age, you can reach your coast fire number and then coast to your traditional retirement um, so easily. I think if you're like 20 years old, it's, your coast fire number is probably something like $100,000 um, to have a million at retirement age. So I think it is a very valuable concept, but I agree. Um, I don't know why um, people would coast to their traditional retirement age. Um, but we've actually uh, created, um, it's, it's, it's on my website, I can send you the link. Um, I've actually created um, a coast fire grid um, that basically just shows the different exit points on a scale from 10% to 100% where 100% is full fire, 50% is flamingo fire, and um, then you have all of the other percentages. So you could really jump off at any point, and depending on your return, you know how many years it will take you to get to full fire. So I think um, that's a valuable tool for people because people want to slow down for all sorts of reasons because they have kids because they have to look after elderly relatives because they want to go traveling so um, I think coast fire is a great tool but uh, not in the sense that you just save and then wait until you reach your traditional retirement age at 65 or 67 but just to have a bit more flexibility um, on your journey um, and just see different options and realize that you don't have to, you know, battle on until you get to that magic number. You can jump off any time and take a slower approach and you'll still get there. So I actually quite like Coast Fire. At one particular blog, you describe it as being on a highway and you've got all these various exit points. And I really, I really like that analogy. So at any point, you know, we can, we can hop off the highway and take the scenic route, you know, go, go slower, but enjoy the, enjoy the journey. And I think it's a great way to kind of describe what's going on because like, it, it should be noted. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you experience this yourself. Like, you know, going, going full hog at financial independence is extremely difficult. You know, getting a savings rate above 50% is hard work, especially living in, in, in the developed world where cost of living is constantly rising and, you know, we do have substantial costs here and there. It, 
it is it is challenging, right? And and it sounds to me like you've really mastered this and you've planned your life so well around you know around this and and you've put lifestyle first ahead of financial gain necessarily, but you've understood that this isn't you know that this, that this is a journey, not a destination. It's probably fair to say, is that right? Yeah, no, um, hundred percent. Um, I really think um that the real goal is the happiness that you can achieve um along the path. Um. And then ideally nothing will even change when you get to your destination. I think that should be the end goal of anyone on the path to fire to create a life that they don't have to change uh, once they reach their destination. Um, yeah. Tina, thank you so much. I really, really do appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you've, you've been a wonderful guest to, to, to have on and you know, you're, the, the way that you've kind of, I, I guess, not only thought about this, but actually built your life around it. It's, it's inspirational. I think so many people are going to be inspired by it, um, you know, particularly for my audience, which is predominantly Irish listeners. You know, we live in a country that's so highly taxed um, that, that it does make it difficult sometimes to, to think about, you know, embracing 25 times your expenses. But knowing that there are alternatives out there is, is just wonderful. So, so really, thank you so much. Yeah, no, thanks so much for inviting me. This was a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank you, Tina. And guys, I will link to Tina's uh, blog in the show notes. So certainly look out for that. And uh, yeah, Tina, thanks again. And we wish you all the best going forward. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. 